Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through Patreon, you can find us there at Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast, or use the link in our show notes. Hey, Freaky Friends! It's Michelle and Melissa from the Freaky Fridays Podcast. We are sisters in separate states and love to talk about all kinds of spooky, freaky, and scary shit while drinking and laughing through our fear. Join us Fridays as we delve into everything from the world of the paranormal to scary movies to creepy stuff we find around the internet. Subscribe to Freaky Fridays wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Sleep tight. Make sure you leave the lights on. Freaky Fridays is a proud member of the Podmoth Network. For more awesome pods, check out podmoth.network. What story do you have to tell us today? I'm going to be talking about the Freeway Phantom Murders. Oh, I Where where did that take place? Um, I believe in the Washington Washington DC area. Okay. I may have heard about this, but I'm, I've never heard that name before, so maybe not. I'm curious to find out more about it. It's a weird case. It'll, it's a little quick one, but well, what, are, what are you going to be telling us about? I'm going to be telling you about the Voynich Manuscript, which is a very mysterious book. Hmm. And Sounds really weird. I don't like the word it manuscript. Really it's never really been wor- used in a good context before. <laughs> oh. You always hear, oh, this killer wrote a manuscript. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that word. It's just a book. It's okay. a book, and they called it the manuscript. So um, I the drink I picked today to go with it is the mojito. And I chose it because one of the sections in this book is about it, it's it's got drawings of herbs in it. So it's got drawings of plants, and so they they deemed this section of the book to be the herbal section. And so I wanted a drink that had herbs in it. And the mojito is a very popular herby drink, so that's why I chose it. Mm-hmm. And for our mojito, I realized that there are a million different mojito recipes out there. But this one in particular is made of one and a quarter ounce white rum, two teaspoons of sugar, one ounce of lime juice, two ounces of club soda, six pieces of mint leaves and crushed ice. So the directions are to add the sugar and the mint leaves to your glass, pour the lime juice over the top of that, and then using a muddler, crush the lime juice, sugar, and mint leaves all together. Then when you're done with that, fill up the glass with crushed ice, 
pour in your white rum and then fill up the glass with your club soda. Then you can so, garnish with mint leaves and lime wedges. So I believe that's the uh, original recipe. I think if you order a modern mojito, it's made with simple syrup instead. But mm, Okay. Well, I did see some that had simple syrup instead of the the sugar directly. Mm-hmm. But I forgot to make simple syrup for today's recording, so I went with the one that had sugar instead. I did so. So I don't think I've ever had a plain mojito before. I had a pineapple one recently, and it was amazing. So I'm curious to see if I like a regular mojito. okay that's I that's really good regularly but they're not bad no not my favorite drink of all time i'm not a huge rum drinker no neither am i and i'm not a huge fan of mint in general but i think with the lime in there it just kind of tames all of the mint and nastiness of the potential rum so it's pretty good. I like it. I prefer uh, herbs and like gin cocktails rather than like if that entire yes. if we replace the rum with gin, that would have been a great drink for me. Well, you could have done I like, that. I could have, but I didn't have any gin. So, oh, well, there you go. All right, let me tell you about this manuscript slash book. So, a book has existed for centuries, been owned by numerous people and organizations, been reviewed and tested time and time again, but the contents of the book are beyond puzzling. The author of the book is unknown, and no one to this date has been able to translate the book. It contains drawings and text but what does it mean? Why was it written? And who wrote it? The book is currently named after the rare book dealer who purchased it in 1912, but the book existed and was sold, traded, or possibly stolen for centuries before that. The book purchaser in 1912 was named Wilfred Voynich. He purchased several manuscripts that day and probably had no idea this book was in the pile. It is now called the Voynich Manuscript, and it has been a topic of confusion and debate for hundreds of years. First off, let me tell you a little bit about the book itself. There are approximately 240 pages in the book, but there's some evidence that some pages have been removed. Also, some of the pages are larger sheets of various sizes that have been folded over and are inserted inside the book in different places. So it's like a pop-out book, kind of, where you can take part of it out and then unfold it and it has 
more stuff on it and then you can fold it back up and shove it back in the book. I don't know why they would do that. It's super weird. The pages of the book are called vellum and testing has proven that the pages are made of calf skin, which has been carbon dated to the early 1400s. So it's been around a long time. Is this Further, one book, right? One book. Yep. Okay. One book. Further analysis of the pages show that they were not written on before, which was common occurrence with old pages. Apparently, they would some people would take like the old parchment from books, go, I didn't like that book, but I want the paper. So they would wash the ink off, use the parchment to write something new. But that didn't happen with these pages. They did um, fancy schmancy analysis of it, and there's nothing that was on the pages before. So the ink that's on there is the only ink that's been on there. Okay. Yeah. The writing on these pages is original to this manuscript. The text and the outlines of the drawings were made with ink that is dated to the same time period as the pages. Many of the outline drawings have paint inside of the outlines, but there is some debate as to when the paint was added. It possibly was added later. They don't know for sure. Every page has text on it, but not every page has the drawings. The text is in a language that has never been identified. Most of the text characters consist of one or two pen strokes or quill strokes to be exact because it was written with a quill. And there are between 20 and 25 distinct characters that make up like the letters, if you want to call them letters. So they're not letters, they're just symbols? They're... Like you wrote in Comic Sans? It's, it's a character that would be equivalent to a letter, but it's not any letter from any language that's ever been identified. So the, the okay. swish mark is not relevant to it. It can't be identified. So whatever letter it is, nobody knows. Hmm. That's weird. The character. Yeah. The characters are grouped together, similar to what would be identified as words. Most of the characters on the pages are from the unknown language, but there are a few entries that appear to be Latin and one that is possibly high German. So there's a few words in other languages that has been identified, but the majority of the book is this unknown text of nobody knows what language it is. The drawings on the pages divide it into six sections with each section having its own style or subject matter of drawing. The sections include botany, which is the herbal one that I picked the drink for. Astronomy and astrology are the second one. The third is biology. There is a cosmology section and a pharmaceutical section. And the last section is believed to be recipes. So like cosmology, like makeup? No, like similar to like the astronomy and astrology. I'm not quite sure why they delineated them. I'm thinking but of they, cosmotology. You're, you're thinking cosmetology, <laughs> yes. 
the cosmology one. Well, I'm going to go into a little bit more of each of these sections. So the botanical section is the largest with 113 pages containing drawn images of plants and text written around the drawings. But the majority of the plants in the drawings are not any known species of plants currently or during the suspected time of the manuscript's creation. So there's drawings of plants that they're like, I've never seen that plant before. I don't know what that plant is. There's a few that they go, this could be a sunflower or this could be that. But the majority of the plant drawings, they don't know what plants they are. The astrology section has drawings of star constellations, suns, moons, and some pages include zodiac symbols. The biology section is characterized by drawings of nude women who appear to be bathing in pools or tubs that are connected across the pages with an elaborate system of pipes or tubes. I don't know why. This sounds like a schizophrenic guy or something. It's weird. Yeah. The cosmology section is a little more obscure with several circular drawings that some describe as a medallion or an island. But again, because they don't know what the text is on the pages, they can't really say it means this. So I don't know. I I read one source describe the cosmology section as um, medallions with other little drawings inside of the medallions. And then one other source said they were islands and a volcano. I don't know how you describe any of those things similarly, but whatever. I don't know. It's above my pay grade. The pharmaceutical section contains more drawings of plants, but also has drawings of bottles and jars. So they think that maybe at the time it was like, you take this plant and you make this medicine with it. The last section of the manuscript is the recipe section, and it has very few drawings on its pages, except for small stars in the left margin. The text in the recipe section is formatted in what appears to be many short paragraphs with stars at the edge of the paragraphs. So maybe, you know, like bullet points kind of things. That's what they think that is. But because that's the only drawing in there, they can't really identify it with anything else. Although carbon dating of the pages go back to the early 1400s, the ownership of the book has only been potentially traced back to the 1600s. It is believed that the manuscript may have been sold to the Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II, then passed along to different people for about a hundred years. In the late 1600s, it appears the manuscript was located in the library of the Roman College, and it seems to have stayed there for about 150 years. In the late 1800s, there was a new Italian government that confiscated many of the properties of the church, including the library. So a lot of the books were taken by faculty members. It is thought that this book was later to be sold to the Vatican, but was instead purchased with several others by Voynich. 
For several years, Voynich requested the help from scholars to decipher the book, but no one could translate it. After Voynich died, the book was passed between a few people and was eventually given to the library at Yale University. It is currently in the Yale Library and has been published on their website. Throughout the last century, there have been many attempts to decipher the book. It has been looked at by code breakers, like people from like World War II that could break codes. They were asked and they were like, we can't break it. We don't know what it means. Intelligence specialists, scholars from multiple fields, and even AI programs. But to this date, it remains a mystery and it has not been solved. There has been discussion that the book was a hoax perpetrated by Voynich and that he created the manuscript himself. So some people think that he just wrote down a bunch of gobbledygook and tried to make it look like oh, this is like this really super rare thing and you're going to want to buy it because it's so rare and I'm going to charge you a fortune for it. But the carbon dating shows the book is about 500 years older than when he acquired it. And it would be highly unlikely for him to have access to enough calfskin from a consistent era in order to create the book. So... All of the sheets are made from the same thing. They carbon dusted it for the same time period. So to think that in 1912, he had access to enough calfskin to make this book that had never been written on before. That calfskin never was written on before. Through all the testing they found, they said this is the original text on it. How could he have faked it? through all those things so sounds like a real life book of eli it's a puzzler for sure yeah yeah and that That's is a story about the coinage yeah i've never heard about that before what do you think it is very trippy i don't know some people i mean it's been suggested that maybe it because most of the plants are not from they're not identifiable that maybe the whole thing is from an alien species and it was left here on accident or on purpose or nobody knows but if it, if they can able like they're able to tell that it's calf skin then it probably isn't from another planet that's a good point that's a good point and the inks are consistent with the ink and the paint with stuff here. Yeah. I mean, what are the chances that I don't know? It's, it's super weird. And some people are like, it's just some mad person who just made up a language, but. Yeah. That guy went foraging for mushroom t too much and ended up writing some weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Schizophrenic break and wrote a book. <laughs> maybe. What is the story that you have to tell us today? 
So let's get into the Freeway Phantom Murders. Yeah. Ooh. On evening of April 25th, 1971, 13-year-old Carol Spinks was asked by her sister, Carlo, to go to the store and buy some uh, groceries from the nearby 7-Eleven, which was about a half a mile from her home. When she didn't return that night, her family called the police and a missing person report was filed. Six days after her abduction, Carol's body was discovered behind St. Elizabeth Hospital. She had been both physically and sexually assaulted, with her cause of death being strangulation. Forensics were able to determine that she had died only days earlier, meaning that her killer must have kept her alive for a few days. Oh, I was going to ask you some. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Monsters. The killer would wait a few months before striking again. On July 8th, 1971, 16-year-old Darla Johnson was walking to her summer job at the, the Oxen Hill Rec Center. She was a youth counselor and was uh, t- taking part in a sleepover at the rec center. So they had like invited a bunch of their rec center kids to do like a little summer sleepover staying the night at the rec center, and she was one of the chaperones, I guess you could call. Her boss became concerned when she never showed up for her shift. Her family called the police, and another missing person report was filed. Mm. Eleven days after after her body was discovered, only 15 feet away from where Carol was discovered. So they were right in the same area. Oh... Oh, okay. But this is like the fucked up part about this. This one is about a week before she was discovered, an anonymous caller told police the location of her body. However, when police went to investigate, they never got out of the car. They just drove (gasps) by, couldn't see the body, and they're like, huh, must not be here. And then drove away. Jesus. Her body wasn't discovered until days later after the same caller went back because he was curious. He was like, oh, I wonder if like they like if I was just crazy or something. And then the body was still there. So he called the cops again and waited for them to come and pointed her out. Okay, so the anonymous caller was not the killer. No, he went back to like because he was curious if like there was a crime scene or anything. He just. Right. I would be kind of curious too. Like, yeah, I just, think anybody would. Yeah, stop by. You've already called and reported it, and right. it was still there. Oh, for Imagine, fuck's sake. That's fucked up. That's tragic. The, but the body had been sitting out in the summer heat for so long <gasps> that oh. the heat exposure like destroyed yeah. a majority mm. of a- any evidence. Right. Oh, my. So. Ugh. Police struggled to determine a cause of death, but strangulation was their best theory. After this case broke, one witness reported that he had seen Darlena in an old black car being driven by an African-American man. On July 27, 1961, 10-year-old Brenda Crockett was sent to the store by her parents. About two hours after leaving the house, the family phone began to ring. Brenda's seven-year-old sister picked up the phone because her parents were away searching for Brenda. Okay. 
they left her sister at home and then yeah so right seven-year-old brenda's sister picked up the phone and on the phone was brenda crying and telling her sister that a white man has picked me up in a cab and is bringing me home before saying bye and hanging up that's all she said she said oh she was kind of crying and she said a white man picked me up in a cab and the seven-year-old sister i'm sure didn't know how to react and so right she said yeah seven-year-olds don't know okay bye A a few hours later the phone rang again this time brenda's stepfather answered it so she told her stepfather that she was alone in the house with a white man her stepfather asked to speak with the man in which he heard heavy footsteps approaching the phone and before he could uh, talk to the guy, Brenda quickly said, I'll see you, and then hung up. Oh, Christ. At 5.50 a.m. the next day, a hitchhiker discovered Brenda's shoeless body in a conspicuous location on U.S. Route 50 near the Baltimore-Washington Parkway in Prince George County, Maryland. She had been raped and strangled, and a scarf was knotted around her neck. Oh, please believe God. that the scarf was the murder weapon. That's so sad. On October 1st, 1971, 12-year-old, uh, sorry for the pronunciation, um, Nenomoshia Yates was walking home around 7 p.m. from a Safeway, which apparently wasn't so safe because she was abducted. Oh, shit. At 10 p.m. that night, her body was discovered just off the shoulder of Pennsylvania Avenue in Prince George County, Maryland. Similar to the other cases, her shoes were missing. Her sh- similar to the other cases, her shoes were missing, and unidentified green fibers would also be found on her clothing. She was sexually assaulted and strangled, which is what's happened for every single case beforehand. Right. Yep. On November 15, 1971, at around 11.30 p.m., Brenda Woodard boarded the city bus on her way home from dinner. Around 5 a.m., police officer discovered her body, which had been stabbed multiple times and strangled in a grassy area near Prince George County Hospital. Majority Jeez. of these bodies have been discovered near there. Ugh. Unlike the other victims, Brenda still had her shoes on and also had a coat draped over her body inside the coat detectives found a note reading this is tantamount to my intensity holy shit that can killers just make notes that are easy to fucking read (laughs) stop using stupid language no one knows what the hell does tantamount mean this is tantamount to my intensity to people especially women I will admit the others when you catch me if you can. Signed, Freeway Phantom. Ugh, what a dick. Based on handwriting samples, authorities determined that the note written on paper cut from the victim's school notebook. So, I I don't know if I mentioned this or not. Uh, She was going to meet a classmate for dinner. And she, after dinner, she got on the bus and that was the last place she was ever seen. So... The, the note had been determined it was written on her school notebook and had been dedicated to and handwritten by Brenda. So the handwriting matched Brenda's 
They also speculated oh. that given the absence of indications of duress during the writing, apart from dysgraphia, which is like kind of like dyslexia for um, words and writing and stuff. Writing? It, okay. Yeah. So you write it uh, backwards she, versus reading it backwards? No, it, it's more of like a, you you like mess up the spelling like just by a little bit. But um, Okay. Okay. So all of these signs uh, indicated to investigators that she may have known her kidnapper and killer. <gasps> oh, shit. No. Yeah. So on September 5th, 1972, 17-year-old Diane Denise Williams caught a bus around 11.20 p.m. after visiting her boyfriend. A few hours later, her strangled body was discovered dumped along I-295, uh, I just south of the district line to Maryland. Her shoes were missing, but no sign of sexual assault was present. While investigators have a few suspects, none have been proven to be the killer, and there is a currently a $150,000 reward <gasps> for the serial killer and rapist. This is unsolved? unsolved yeah fucking hell it's never been solved i was so much hoping you were gonna tell me like this was the bad guy and no that's why i was kind of saying it was a shorter case because there's been no suspects usually i like to cover like <sighs> the suspect and what happened to him after conviction yeah. and stuff but yeah no one's ever been arrested for these crimes it's still oh unsolved god so if you have What's he doing with the shoes? This, I think killers have calling cards, you know? Like Yeah, it, but that's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me is these killers always get caught with the the victim stuff. Trophies. Like Yeah. If you're gonna kill someone, just yeah. kill them and be over with yeah. it. But why you gotta keep Let's... their shoes or their wallets yeah. or like little fucking shirts or what it's weird. That's how they right. get caught, I think. <laughs> yeah. search warrant for their house and it's like why do you have 37 ID cards what is this right. <laughs> yeah quit collecting trophies yeah yeah well, listen to our podcast if you'd like some information on how to successfully become a serial killer first step <laughs> wear gloves second trophies. step don't take any trophies <laughs> oh and yes keep your goddamn mouth shut how many times have yeah. we talked about Don't somebody go who got caught? Yeah, because they yeah. opened their They're trap and the they bar. were like, guess what I did? Yeah. Oh, Just, we're not if telling you people drink, how drink to be at bad home, guys. And then you can tell your right. dog how you've killed people like that Ryan Reynolds right. movie. Right. I forgot about that movie. <laughs> that movie is so good. Oh, it is such a good movie. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's a good movie. I think it's called The Voices. Where his right. uh, his Something cat voices. is telling him to kill people, and his dog is trying yes. to tell him not to. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucking funny. Uh, oh god, that's a good yeah. chaser. Early, early chaser for everyone early listening. Chaser. That's an early one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, man. Well, do you have a real chaser for us, Mom? I do have a real chaser. And it is a show recommendation, although it's not that movie. Uh, The show that I am recommending is the Dark Tourist show on Netflix. And it's a New Zealand... Uh, journalist who goes to different countries and places and he researches like touristy type things to do, but they're not your average tourist trap kind of thing. So um, he was in Mexico and he did a um, tour where they teach you how to cross the border illegally and they show you what it's like to like try to break into America. And, and they, they show like you're getting caught and you're getting your stuff confiscated and they're shooting at you and bad things are happening. He went to Chernobyl. Was it? Honestly, I can't remember now. He's been to a couple of radioactive sites where they mm. talk about, oh, this is where Fukushima huh. happened. No, thanks. And, and they take them through the area and they've got Geiger counters with them and they're showing them the high levels of radiation. No, I'm not doing that. Uh-uh. Anyway, it's a really cool show. It's super I- interesting. Have you seen the Africa episode yet? Have you finished it? Yeah. Um, yes, we the just one where watched doing the like Africa the episode. Street drifting and stuff. Yeah, the drifting. Yeah. That they called that spinning. Really cool. I was like, I know. Yeah, I, feel, I thought lady, you would like that one. The lady got out of the car and was making it drift with no one in the car. It's like, holy shit. No, That's there was crazy. a dude holding the steering wheel. Oh, really? There was a dude I... in the car with her holding the steering wheel. But she was oh, okay. hanging out the door by yeah, her leg. It... She was, that was, that part was crazy. insane. It was. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, good show. Check it out. My What's your chaser? chaser? Is also a watch recommendation. It's, oh, perfect. I, I don't have a favorite movie. I have top five favorite movies, and this is in it. It's mm. Hit and Run. With Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell. Oh, <gasps> I love that movie. It's so good. It's so good. For all the car guys out there too, it, he's he's driving a 700 horsepower Lincoln Continental, 66. Like it's a, oh, it's a beautiful car, beautiful movie, extremely funny, and there's just it's, it's like a chase scene the whole movie. It's so good. It's yeah. It's such a good movie. Yeah, definitely. Worth I a will lot. say um, that I remember HBO. we saw that. Yeah, we saw that movie the first time when we were in Sun River, River. and we were staying at that Netflix condo <laughs> on somebody else's Netflix account. <laughs> and it was fantastic because we got to watch like all the stuff that never pops up into our algorithms. And we were like, this dude's yeah. got good taste. He had so many <laughs> good <real>. shows. <laughs> I wonder oh, how much I of that is influenced by the visitors of that Sun River house. I Everyone's don't know. Been using his Netflix account for the past six months. 
<laughs> yeah, at least. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. I don't know that we would have found that movie for years if we hadn't yeah. spotted it on that show or on that. I've uh, never heard trip. of it before. Before that. Nope. Yeah. It was good. Good times. Well, thanks right. for telling us that brutal unsolved murder. I hate unsolved. Yeah, me too. I was kind of hoping it would be solved, but after researching yeah. enough, I I was like, I'm too far into this case to <laughs> abandon it by now. I have to right. script written. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, man. Right. Terrible. Well, love you, Mom. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Hey, friends. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Please share our show with your brutal and bizarre friends. Give us a boozy follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you're feeling extra generous, we'd appreciate a five-star rating or review as well. But maybe do that sober so all the letters are in the right place. You can find all our contact information in the show notes. We love hearing from you, and if you're interested in helping us stock the bar for our future boozy episodes, you can find our Patreon link in the show notes as well.